0: You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. (laughs) Hey, happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridor podcast featuring Tyson Alger. And today, no Aiden Schneider, we have my good friend, Devon Pouncey. Uh, Man, this one's been a long time in the making. Uh, Devon and I used to do a podcast together at the Oregonian with our good buddy, Danny Moran. We called it the three-on-two basketball podcast. Um, it was basically just our way to uh, Trojan horse NBA talk into uh, in, uh, under a thinly veiled umbrella of Pac-12 basketball talk. So uh, really glad to have you on, man. You had me on your podcast a few months ago. Just good to see you, man. It, yeah.
1: yeah, I was starting to feel some type of way for a minute, man. You've been up and down the I-5, getting everybody else on your podcast, and you just skipped right <laughs> over little <laughs> old me. So I'm like, man, is my guy going to bring me on or what?
0: Yeah, well, you know, we just got to make sure Danny doesn't hear this one. I know, right? So, you
1: know. Yeah, because he's not here right now. Oops.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, the thing the thing with Danny, since since we all did that podcast together, I mean, like you guys have both gone off and done amazing things. I mean, you're so busy with your job with Street Roots or doing play by play with Portland State or it seems like you're on international television. every other week (laughs) you know that's what happens when shit hits the fan in portland is (laughs) (laughs) and then uh and then you know danny's working down in salem actually doing big boy jobs and here tyson is five years later still doing a basketball podcast so you know it's nice to see that we've all progressed
1: (laughs) no it is man it's super dope like you said danny is out here doing big boy legislation work and uh you know I, i straddle between the two you know i still got my sports life and then obviously things are a little bit more like politically and socially inclined with the work that I do as street roots so you know I'm just kind of trying to live in the best of both worlds and then here you are man you just you just love sports too much man it's more out there Tyson it's more out there
0: that's that's the problem is I don't even know if I love sports too much I'm just I'm just very uh <laughs> very narrow just- I'm just very narrowly talented
1: you just love the i five, right? <laughs> yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Um, no, I'm
1: happy to be here, though, man. For real, it's 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 an honor, man. Like I said, I obviously I gave you a hard time at the beginning, but love to see what you're doing, man. I love, you know, I love the independent model of things. You know, obviously with my podcast that has more of an, an independent element to it as, as well. Even though I do other things um, that aren't so independent, but. I love being able to see my people. You know, just kind of, you know, take things on themselves, man, and nobody can stop you now. Not even you. <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: maybe, uh, maybe the IRS can. But, yeah, yeah, uh... that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, with 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 your podcast, which I would suggest everyone li- uh, listen to, it's called the Wake Up and Win Podcast. Uh, Devon's been doing it for boy, probably it's
1: like five six years. years now. Four, about yeah. four. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be it's five. A it'll
1: be five in April,
0: and um, I love that you've done that podcast and have consistently updated it, kind of throughout as or I mean, throughout your career as you've kind of gone from different spots to where you're at. But the main reason I liked it is because I thought when you a little bit of backtracking for for people who might think that your voice sounds familiar, there was a period of time. Where you were on morning drive time radio with with our good boy Justin Myers, uh, yep. you were on seven fifty to the game morning. Or I guess you did afternoons. And yeah, mornings, I was. Correct? I
1: was. I was nine a.m. to noon. Uh, was just me and Justin's time slot. And prior to that, I interned for the Ball Face Truth with John Canzano. So that was afternoon.
0: Right, and and we'll we'll get into that more in a little bit. But basically, you have this job right out of college. You have a platform. You have a microphone. You're on uh, major. Uh, I mean, a major metro city airwaves. um, And then that job just self-destructed by no fault of your own. Absolutely. Um, And I I just love that you still had this avenue to be able to kind of have your own message and and, and platform and all those sorts of things, like even independent of that. I I think that um, so much of of what you need to do to kind of success in in the media industry these days is to be able to not, not only adjust to like the job you have or like those sort of constraints, but also have your, like your own brand and kind of like your own ecosystem, if you will. And I've always kind of admired how you kind of kept that consistent over the last few years.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, that actually started, you know, when I was in radio working in radio and I was trying to get a show in between my internship and then like, maybe eight months later when I actually got a show. Um, And, you know, you know, I was going through the typical, okay, let me record a demo and try to submit that to the program directors and the higher ups within the company. And let's see maybe if I can get a show one day and the demo deal kind of fell flat. So then I launched this podcast called wake up and win. And I was talking to Kanzano, who's like a mentor of mine because Canzano does his radio show, but he also podcasted his radio show. And that was still kind of a newer thing, a newer model at that particular time. But Canzano's Bald Face Truth podcast was, like, doing really well for itself. And so as I'm launching my podcast and I get, like, an entry-level board operating job with 750 The Game, you know, I was just asking Canzano what can I try to do if I should try to, like, partner with the – partner the podcast – with 750 to game ultimately cuz my dream was to get a show and he actually like told me nah he's like don't partner it like do what you're doing working with the station continue to do your job and you know try to climb up the rankings you know as you gain more experience and so on and so forth but for that podcast you should kind of like keep that as your thing because really radio's smart. a radio's a tricky business you never know when it'll be over with and you don't want to attach your podcast to a station that you may not be with forever. So I was appreciative that he like kept it real with me and told me like, Hey, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I can to help you here, you know, at the station. And he helped me a lot. I did end up getting my show that I co-hosted with Justin, but I was always able to keep my own platform. So when doomsday actually came (laughs) and I did get laid off from radio they uh, couldn't take that podcast away yeah. from me. And here we are damn near five years later. And, and the podcast is still rocking and rolling.
0: I, I think that's one thing. And, and I know various readers have, you know, different qualms with Konzano's writing, which I think just yeah. means he's a good, which I just think means he's good at his job. He's a good columnist. He's he's one of the best. Absolutely. One, one, one of the best writers in the country. Um, but like one thing that I will give him a lot of credit for is, I mean, he, he's been, um, he's offered me a lot of advice through my career. He's offered me similar advice to what he gave you about just branding. And I'm, I had a lot of questions with the corridor that I asked him just because, right. um, you know, if you're familiar with Portland sports at all, I mean, like he has a brand, like he is a brand.
1: He is uh, a brand. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's why he's so valuable to the, the, the Oregonian. It's why he's valuable to the TV station and all sorts of things is because he's kind of been able to craft that and, I I do think Portland's an interesting market for that too, because like there's not too many big fish swimming out there. Like, like it it, it seems like, it seems like a place where you can kind of like find your footing or niche and and really kind of uh, like feed uh, and and grow through that. Um, And uh, yeah, like, like John's done a a fascinating, I mean, a really good job doing that. And like, I thought it was so cool that like, you know, he played a part in in kind of like getting your guys' show going. Um, Yeah. Can we talk about the Dino Costa thing?
1: Hey man, I'm down to talk about it. I'm down to talk about
0: it. <laughs> so 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 like so like you and Justin get this afternoon radio show, which right. I I which I loved because I, I think I think Justin is one of the most underrated radio hosts in this I agree. region. I, I, I think agree. he and I don't say this just because he has me on Wednesday mornings on Rip City Radio at eight twenty AM on <laughs> Wednesday mornings. Um gotta plug but, it, baby. But man, like he's he's on top of the sports. He's conversational. He's we both know he's not afraid to go off on a wacky tangent. I, I just think it's I think that was interesting. And getting you right out of college, uh, you graduated uh, from uh, Pacific out in Forest Grove. You played basketball out there. You're from California. Um, you're not quite as white as Justin either. I mean, it just it really. just offered a, like a little bit of a you know just just a little bit of something different on on Portland radios. And I thoroughly enjoyed your show. Um, and then that station decided to bring on a batshit lunatic.
1: Yes, <laughs> to basically
0: basically come and spread out, you know, spout racist bullshit on the on the radios for two months, and then he got fired. And, and I thought the craziest thing in all of that, I remember listening to Dino Costa's first show on the radio because you know it's again this market. Somebody gets hired, everyone researches and kind of figures out like who this person is. And like I pulled up like a men's health art, or a men's journal article from like 2012, yeah. And there's a there's a paragraph in here that goes: Costa has been fired from or quit eight radio jobs and one TV over past over the past decade for reasons ranging from insulting corporate sponsors to allegations of sexual harassment. And it just goes down from there. And, yeah. I, rem- and I remember his first show. It was like the right before the intro, the guy who the GM of the station or who runs the station. Yeah. He was, they did like a little, like on radio with each other for like five minutes. And like Dino goes, maybe I'll actually give Dino credit for this. He's like, by the way, like, you know what you're getting into, right? And the guy's like, yep. And they're like, all right, let's go. And then that was the start of it. And then they pulled like the whole, like, we had no idea afterwards. And yeah, it was just, man. P- Portland media doesn't have a lot of really good drama. And that was just a spectacular car, car wreck uh, it, during it was. a really volatile time in this country, too.
1: <laughs> it was. And it was crazy because, like, at that time, the station had gone completely local. So prior to that, at the nine to noon slot that I was on with Justin, it was Rome, and I think Rome's back on there now at that slot. They they um, they made a big they made a
0: big deal about getting rid of Rome and being like we're all local, and now right. the only local show on there is Canzano. It's Canzano. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So so it was it was crazy because they're bringing us all on at the same time. And granted, as we mentioned, Kenzano was a huge advocate for myself and Justin's show um for the other guy i'll let you say his name i won't but for the (laughs) other guy um he was pretty much directly related through the industry to the guy who was the program director at the time and so for me i'm coming into a situation where i'm just happy to have a show you're like 22 Uh,
0: years old
1: i was 22 years old i literally had just walked the stage like a week and a half prior to all of this stuff unfolding and me like being offered the opportunity to have the show. Again, I was doing some part-time work. I was doing like board operating for like Timbers matches and Seattle Mariners and stuff like that. But in terms of me actually getting this show, you know, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm a young dude getting an opportunity to be a host in a top 25 market. Justin wasn't so hyped because (laughs) Justin, who was like a 12, 13 year radio. I'm going to carry this dude. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, he's like a 12, 13 year radio vet. And he and I didn't have a relationship at (laughs) all at the time. So he's like, are y'all really about to put me together with a dude that's never done a radio show before? Like, what is this? But I mean, he had, that was his way of being able to keep the job at the time. So he had to do it and he and I show turned out great. But before we actually did the show, when, when they, made the announcement that we were going to be, you know, starting our show. We all started this like local lineup on the same day. It was June 5th. I'll never forget it. And they kind of did the presentation for all the folks that like worked in sales. And so (laughs) for me and Justin, they had the Skype live studio downstairs. And for me and Justin, it was like a basic, like maybe five slide presentation, uh, just kind of, you know, saying who we were, our background, like, Real brief, real, real vague, real black and white, and so then after that, when they introduced Dino, they had a whole like highlight reel of like all of his clips <laughs> over the years and everything that he'd done. Like he was the guy, and obviously he was going in to do the three p.m. time slot. So it, you you would have thought we won the Super Bowl the way that they were like celebrating this guy coming into the station. And so as you mentioned he let it be known who he was and what he stood for right away. And for me, it was just kind of awkward because I'm the lone black dude with a show in this particular station. And, this, and this,
0: this, this is the summer of 2016 too, isn't it? This is
1: 2017, 2017. 20, this is summer of 2017. So I'm, I've never had a show before. So I'm just kind of happy to be here. And my teammate, not Justin, as far as like my co-host, but my teammate being that, dude and I worked for the same station was like just this outwardly like racist bigot. And he spewed it on the airwaves. Oh dude, he
0: he did like I,
1: Oh, he let it fly. Like it was no secret. I,
0: I don't necessarily, um, this is gonna sound so, so dumb, but like I don't necessarily love talk radio, but I listen to it a ton just because of my commutes to Eugene and back. Yeah, and, and seven fifty for the longest time was the only station that would work with my radio all the way down to Eugene. All the and way down. down. Like ten eighty right. would get a little fuzzy, and if it's like uh, like one o'clock interviews down in Eugene, you're driving back home, you're hitting like the the S curve to Williger traffic around like three right. o'clock when Dino's coming on, and uh, before him. I forget who was in that slot before. It might've been Chad doing. It was, uh...
1: it was no, it was Justin and chop. Yeah. So they moved Justin from the 3 PM slot to the 9 AM. slot. that's what it was. Chop ended up just going into like an APD role with the station. He was no longer a full-time host and Dino took over the three o'clock slot. But when he takes it over, like the first day he gets on. And again, this is 2017. Colin Kaepernick is a hot topic around that time. His first his first ever show, he just came out right out the gates, ripping and shredding Colin Kaepernick for all the reasons he felt was necessary. Which is so, also super
0: relevant to the Portland market, too.
1: <laughs> exactly. Point exactly. We're going all local, and this guy wants to come right in and kind of just shred Colin Kaepernick. So I'm like, all right, I see what we're dealing with here. But, hey, I'll just do my show at 9 o'clock. When my show is over at noon, I'm going to get out of there. I never really hardly interacted to the dude. I might have said five words in a couple months <laughs> that we worked together. But where he screwed himself over was at the time he was talking about Portland and how Portland was this protest city. That was his way of sort of localizing these national uprisings or whatever it is Kaepernick was doing and so on and so forth. And he literally like said something to the extent of like, if, because he was new to portland if he you know was in his car and you know people were blocking him in a protest on the street like he would like drive through protesters like crazy yeah. shit and what <laughs> happens a month and a half later charlottesville where somebody actually like drives through a protest right. and kills people out on the other side of the country and listeners because again we podcasted every show listeners went back and found the audio from that show when he first came on like a month and a half prior to Charlottesville actually happening in real time. And they like sent that episode out to like every news outlet in Portland. And the next day it was like a viral thing and they had to let him go on the spot. But again, they had invested everything into him expecting him to like be the savior for the station. And I really was getting peanuts. I won't like speak to the numbers in particular, but I, I-, I was getting peanuts and I was okay with getting peanuts because I had never had a show before, but Justin and I show actually ended up being the one that they probably should have invested yeah. in instead of like the bigot show. But here they are now doing, dealing with whatever they're dealing with over there. Do, do,
0: do, do you know what's messed up is like, I feel like um, if all of this happened like two years later, if it was like 2019 or 2020, I could see, uh, and I, I have no, no idea who's running the show over there. This isn't specifically that station, but such a messed up place now where I figure someone in this market would be like, Yeah, I want that voice on here. I mean, like half the Proud Boys up in Vancouver would probably be turning, yeah. you know, it's just crazy time. To- yeah. like, like like what was it like like working in that environment though, too? Where like I, I imagine there's a lot of you that's just like, I'm just keeping my head down. I got this great opportunity, and like like that had to have that had to have been pretty shocking at some points.
1: Well well, it was two things. For one, again, because he and I worked at the same station. And he clearly didn't like black people or he didn't like seeing progress for black people. And I was the only black host at the station and the youngest at that. I would get emails from folks. Um, I I had a lot of folks reaching out, wanting to get my stance on what was going on. And I kind of kept my words pretty limited about it because I was in the building and this was new territory for me. And I knew that they were a lot more invested in him than they were invested in me. I was just sort of happy for the opportunity and was willing to bet on myself to make something happen from the opportunity that I was given where for him, he was like the guy that they expected to take them to the promised land. So I didn't really say much at the time, but here's the caveat. You also have in a studio right over to me, Lars Larson, who worked under the same company, who's obviously a very well-known national conservative radio host. And, you know, although he gets away with it a little bit more than Dino did, cause he's been around for a long time. So Portlanders and folks in the Northwest are just accustomed that Lars Larson is just going to be here and he's created a huge platform for himself. So you just kind of got to deal with him in ways that you didn't necessarily have to deal with the other guy, but every morning, Lars would, like, come to my cubicle, me and Justin's cubicle. He would, like, debate with us every day about Kaepernick stuff. He obviously had a a, a conservative viewpoint about those things. But it was kind of how we would warm up for our radio show every day was having a debate with Lars Larson (laughs) because he hated Kaepernick. He hated politics being intersected with sports he just didn't like none of that it was even one time we were walking down the hallway like he was coming from the restroom and i was going to the restroom and in the middle of the hallway he just gets down and takes a knee like Kapnik. like he was being funny and so guess what i did i went down and took a knee with him so we're both here looking stupid as shit just (laughs) on one knee looking at each other (laughs) in the middle of the hallway and, and so that was the kind of stuff that I dealt with there. And it was like,
0: this is a dude who, who is, uh, who who was like a guest for like the white house uh, press conferences. Was, yeah. yo,
1: <laughs> At the time, at the time he did a, uh, he went to radio row at the white house. Cause again, this is 2017. So this is Trump's first year in office. And so he had gotten invited there and I used to record my podcast out of one of the other studios at the, at, at alpha. And, When he got back, I'll never forget, when he got back into town from doing Radio Row with Trump, he comes into the studio I'm recording in, just, like, saying, hey, what's up and everything. And I asked him, I'm like, how did Radio Row go? Like, you got to interview Trump? How was that? And he didn't even tell me what it was. He went on to say, well, you know, it was actually pretty good. Uh, It's been about eight years since I've been invited to Radio Row because Obama never invited him. (laughs) For obvious reasons. <laughs> and so that that was the kind of stuff I was dealing with there. And it was like, obviously, I didn't like it. But I, I will admit, like, it added a fuel to my fire in regards to a lot of the stuff that I do today in terms of just trying to make a difference. And knowing and understanding that there are people like them who have really big platforms that are pushing narratives that goes against the basic progress of people like me. So although I could have been like bitter about it and, and I could have really felt some type of way about it. I kind of, you know, channeled that into, well, let me motivate me to want to grow and have my own platform and want to go in to create change in ways that I see fit because clearly there's guys out here with massive platforms, like especially Lars has that, Don't really align with my viewpoints and the progress that I want to see for people that share similar social backgrounds that I do. So I could have been bitter about it and I could have been offended by a lot of the stuff they said, but I honestly just kind of kept tough thick skin. And now a lot of the work that I'm able to do today and being able to make a difference in the community and just being a black man in the spaces of media that I am right now, I credit them for adding fuel to my fire to basically like indirectly, like go up against what it was that they were doing and putting out there into the world that ultimately negatively impacts and affects people like myself. So
0: we were going to maybe, I was going to maybe catch you at Portland state Monta- or Portland state, Montana last week. Um, yeah. We were talking a little bit of smack before that one. And um Absolutely. See this. This is a great transition because I get to talk about Montana beating Portland State last. week.
1: <laughs> no, so so so, <laughs> I mean, so basically, from, they beat by <laughs> so so you, you
0: you your guys' show ends up getting canceled. Dino gets canned. A few yeah. years go by, but you, I mean, throughout this, you would kind of um, uh, you put your fingers in a lot of different pots, including like at, at, back at Fort in Forest Grove, you were calling games out there, which I think right obviously led to what is a real really kind of cool and job now that I think gives you a, a, an additional really great platform. And that's calling games for Portland state, which by the Definitely. which if you haven't been down to a game at Portland state, it is, I think the coolest basketball just venue in the state, like, like it's, in, in the city, they,
1: in the state, arguably. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like they, they finished it up yeah. a couple of years ago. It is the perfect size for what, like a big, a big sky, um, uh, basketball team should be it's it's just it's yep. beautiful it's right downtown I, I think that's the crazy thing about portland state is a lot of people just don't realize that like there's a d1 school right in the heart of downtown same same thing with yeah same thing with up too i, I live up here in, yep. in uh st john's and there'll be days where there's just traffic all over the place it's like man what's going on it's like oh yeah gonzaga's playing down the street and it's just like right it, it, it's just right. kind of it's very sleepy in terms of uh, the, the portland schools
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, especially now, like Portland State, you know, for me as a broadcaster, all of our games are on ESPN plus now as well. So, you know, it's a TV gig, obviously a little bit different from radio, a really good opportunity. And now just kind of having that ESPN plus tag, it, it helps. It definitely doesn't hurt. So, um, you know, it's a real cool gig. It's a real good place. How for many different sport coats do you numbers? have?
0: Like if you're, if you're on ESPN, I imagine you had to expand Ooh, the wardrobe yeah. a little bit there. Guy. I got, I know, I know you like kinda. to like get up nicely, but
1: so, so no, kind of, I kind of had to, but I'm, I'm the analyst at Portland state. Huh. My partner is the play by play voice. So, he's not as flashy as maybe I like to be sometimes <laughs> on camera and it shows, um, so. <laughs> but he's really good at it. Yeah, that, 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 that was like,
0: <laughs> that was like anytime Greif and I would do an Oregon live stand up. I mean like an- yeah. an- Andrew Greif's always just incredibly well put together. The hair's in the right spots. The he's, hair's right. he's a great right. dresser. Right. Shoes are on. Un- and I mean like he takes care of himself too. And like, I would, I would try some days, but there would be like some like mornings where it's like, all right, we're going to do a practice video. And I'm wearing like a flannel, like my beard's all out. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get this thing over with.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So like, so like I usually try to get flying stuff like, Hey, I got a game tomorrow. I'll be going to the barbershop right before my game, go get my hair cut. So I'm fresh. Yeah. I mean, and could do my thing and look good for the TV. It's just what it is. Right. But, but. My partner, he's just not as much into that. He more so <laughs> likes to be comfortable, and it's all good. But I, I'm gonna come correct because, again, it's TV. It's it, it's it's ESPN Plus. You got to come correct as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But 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 even still, like, definitely been a great platform for me to have. I am still calling games at Pacific. I'm the play by play for Pacific football. And uh, Pacific men's and women's basketball, fortunately, I just do home games for each Pacific and Portland State. So there's not really many, like, schedule conflicts, maybe, like, two or three in a season. And I can get a fill-in for two or three games in a season. But I'm also calling, like, four or five games a week (laughs) during college basketball season in particular. During college football, it's not as much of an issue because I don't do Portland State's football But yeah, I just kind of transitioned right out of radio once I had gotten laid off, you know, was able to, you know, go back to the alma mater, become the voice of the basketball program there. And the guy who was formerly Pacific's voice prior to me, um, he ended up becoming Matt Rickard, who I work alongside with at Portland State. He ended up becoming the voice of Portland State. And, you know, I just reached out to him about it and he's like man this is tv and i'm doing it by myself and i hate doing it by myself and so i'm like man see if you know talk to the folks up at psu see if they're willing to have me come up there and rock with you and here we are four years later we're still rocking and again this year now all of our games are on espn plus so it's definitely been a fun gig um and and i'm enjoying the ride bro so
0: what did uh the all this effort that you're putting in and kind of like diversifying what you're doing and all that, like, what do you want out of this? Like, what's your goal? Like, I don't think I've ever really talked to you about that. Cause like, you're, you're trying to do a million different things. And this is, you have a full-time job on top of all this stuff too. Like,
1: right, right. Well, well the thing is, I really don't fully have an answer to that as of yet. Um I obviously have an interest in sports. We've already kind of talked about my background there from a player now Great plus a minus on the boxers basketball team. Absolutely. I hate plus <laughs> minus, but if, if it makes you feel good, go Thank for you. it. Um <laughs> But, but with that, again, because of the stuff that I was dealing with socially while I was in radio, and then I had a super dope professor who is real big when it comes to the coverage of like the intersection of sports and politics, like all of these worlds sort of bled together. So my day job, I am working at street roots. You know, I host the street roots podcast. I'm my full-time job. I'm the vendor program director at street roots. So, you know, I, I work with people, you know, directly living on the streets, but street roots is also a newspaper. So there's obviously, you know, a, a heavy media background that comes with that as well. Um, and then I've been able to get into like some crazy advocacy work and really like make some real significant change Around here in the city, you know, doing stuff like Portland Street response, which is, you know, now being adopted as a a model, you know, for an alternative first response model for policing, which obviously a lot of people want to see when you talk about defunding the police and things like that. And now that's become like the cahoots bill, you know, that's been taken to a, a federal stage now and Senator Wyden has introduced that legislation to Senate and so, you know. A lot of the stuff that I do, I kind of bring it together by way of my podcast as of right now, but I really don't know what my end goal is because I'm kind of making strides in all of these different areas and my podcast as of right now, I guess is the most creative way that I can kind of bring all of those worlds together. But you never know, like because I'm making strides in all of these places is just kind of going to depend on what opportunities come my way that will determine what my future sort of looks like. Because again, I still love what I do in sports and I'm making strides there, but I've definitely been able to make some strides in the political world around here as well. And that's why you see me often, you know, on international TV, you know, with TRT world news and, you know, I'm on the news in London and Istanbul, Turkey and Washington DC, because I've been able to make some strides with some of the, some of the advocacy work that I've been able to do here in Portland. And then obviously the timeliness of 2020 and the uprisings that happened in 2020, Portland probably got a bigger spotlight than any other American city. Um, we had upwards of a hundred days of consecutive protesting. Um, we were one of the only cities that actually had some defunding of the police by way of Portland street response, which, You know, I was able to uh, play a significant role in bringing the life ultimately. So I really don't know what my end goal is. I'm just kind of like taking things in stride and I'm blessed and fortunate to be making strides in multiple different spaces that I actually have interest in. So I, I really don't know the answer to that, but I need to figure it out, man. I just turned twenty nine two weeks ago. So I'm in my last year of my twenties, well, so and, I'm not gonna be able to use the young excuse and, anymore. I gotta figure it out, and, Tyson.
0: <laughs> and like, you know, I know how this business works, so I'm assuming you're just rolling in cash too. You know, it's just it's just probably just flowing in swimming pools. Uh
1: I mean, you know, I, I'm getting money in, in multiple yes, places.
0: you got to diversify that <laughs> in, in, income. I got,
1: I'm, I'm, I've diversified my <laughs> incomes for sure. But it, but it wasn't always that way. Like, you know, I, I started off, uh, you know, when it was radio, I started off doing paid internships. When I got in at Portland State, like I, I was voluntarily an analyst over there. It took me a couple of years to start getting paid. So it's oh, and, like, and we, and it wasn't and we, always and we were, that way, but, you know, we here we, now. We definitely
0: weren't paying you for your podcast appearances over at You at were the not world.
1: paying me when we were at to, the Oregonian. Be, to be so, fair, that that, yeah, that uh, was
0: out of my <laughs> control. Uh, the I-5 corridor Absolutely. has has more say in that. Um, it's not that we don't want to pay you. It's that we can't pay you. Uh, we, right. we have no budget, man. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the, fine, but... But again, now now I am, you know, making an income in all of these different spaces. So that that's a blessing. That's cool. But I also know, like when it comes to like culture and when it comes to entertainment, a lot of this stuff intersects. So I don't feel that far off, even though by day I might be in City Hall doing some work. I mean, now virtually, but prior to the pandemic, I was literally in city hall, like every week (laughs) having meetings about getting this Portland street response stuff off the ground. Um, And then by night I'm in somebody's gym, (laughs) you know, calling a game. But all those, although you can like, look at those as two independent entities. Now, when you look at, you know, the way athletes are empowered to be able to speak about more political and socially driven issues, by way of the platform that they have at just being really talented athletes for me as a broadcaster, to be able to navigate both of the spaces that I do, it allows me to be able to kind of have a legitimate platform to talk about both things. And it makes sense that I'm talking about both things and you really can't tell me to shut up and dribble because I'm really doing the work when it comes to this social and political stuff but I also really have been doing the work when it comes to sports as a player, and now you know in the space of media. So I'm just you know bleeding it all together and and, and making it make sense the best well, way. And I can.
0: and you were definitely more of like a back to the basket sort of guy. You weren't dribbling a whole lot, a ton as as. as oh a- yeah,
1: my, my my footwork, my footwork was <laughs> impeccable. Oh my god, it was nothing you could. All do right, with.
0: I, I can't I can't let you get out of here without talking a little bit of hoop first. Uh,
1: Let's I, do it.
0: How after because when we were doing our podcast back in the day with the Oregonian, that was, I think, the year after Gary Payton, the second had graduated from Oregon State and Gary Payton, the second is
1: yeah.
0: still to this day, probably one of my favorite college players to watch just from from Definitely. the intense the intensity he played defense with, which reminded you of his dad uh to just an obscene amount of bounce that he somehow still carries with him here, like six, seven years later. Um, and yeah, I, I know that you know him a bit and you've had him on your podcast and you've kind of uh, chronicled his story of far better than I have, but seeing him catch on with the warriors now after grinding his way, the last, I mean, grinding, it's been five years of go- grinding through the G league. Like this, this dude hasn't gone. He didn't go to Europe. Did he like, yeah, no,
1: never went overseas. Yeah, it's this guy that's never just that's just
0: basically stuck in it, and now all of a sudden he's found his way yeah. into being a rotational player with Golden State in a year where Golden State looks as good as potentially some of those old Golden State teams. Like this is yeah. this isn't like Jordan Bell being drafted onto the Warriors and earning a ring, you know, and and being like I was a part of that. Not to take anything away from Jordan, but like, uh, yeah, GP two has been been awesome, man.
1: Awesome, man. It's crazy, like me and gp2 so for those that don't know the reason why gp2 and i are so close we were aau teammates in high school so that's why we were close because we played aau together in high school and our aau team was called the gp gloves his dad (laughs) sponsored our aau team obviously his dad is from oakland i'm from the bay area and g gp2 at the time was living in las vegas he went to high school in las Vegas. And he was like just flying in, playing in tournaments with us wherever we played at across the country, and so um that's where the relationship obviously started with both of us. And then, you know, he went prep school in JUCO, so to even beyond just the five year grind of being in the G League back and forth, and now finally being able to stick with the Warriors, like that JUCO grind is different. It's if you haven't been through that JUCO grind, you've been which through I have, that grind, yes, sir, and, and he has too. It, it's it's a different kind of grind, and you respect it on an entirely different level if you understand how it really goes. And so, you know, coincidentally, you know, he was out at, at Salt Lake um, Community College playing juco ball. I was playing juco ball still in the Bay Area, and then the same year I ended up, you know, going to play ball for Pacific University here in Oregon, and he ended up going to play ball at, at Oregon State. So, you know, we spent a lot of time as old teammates from high school, both ending up in Oregon at the same time. You know, we still kept the relationship close. We spent a lot of time. He would get me, t- me and my roommates tickets to Civil War games or whatever games we wanted to go to. And so, you know, that that's my boy since high school. And anybody that's had high school teammates, whether it be AAU or for whatever school you attended, you know that that's a bond that, that doesn't really fade. And so... uh to be able to see him have the success that he had at Oregon State and then end up being undrafted and, again, going through this five-year grind of, you know what? I haven't really been able to stick in the league just yet, but I'm going to stick with playing in the G League or even the D League is probably what it was named when he first entered. It's quite impressive, but I also think he was fortunate because he is a second generation yeah. pro where a lot of guys the name
0: recognition still around
1: yeah. in, Exactly. A lot of guys after two or three years of playing in the G league and not being able to stick and not having a dad, who's a hall of famer and not having maybe some security in ways that a first generation pro who's trying to change the lives of his entire family and neighborhood and whatever other pressures that he has on him, because He comes from the trenches. You know, they usually decide, you know what, I'm going to go overseas because I can make a couple more dollars overseas right now because you don't make a lot of money playing in the G League. And I'm obviously not getting to the point of being able to stick with a team in the NBA to where I'm making life-changing money. So I can go make six figures overseas and have a legitimate career and be able to take care of of my family and my people, you know, as good as I possibly can, much better than maybe the G league would allow. But for GP two, you know, he, he understood sort of the ins and outs of the NBAs in ways that most people don't. A lot of the reason is because he's been around the NBA since he was a baby because of who his dad was. So he understood that the league is ever changing. And although, you know, it might've been ideal for him to stick in the league three or four years ago when he first, you know, got to, to the G league and signed with the Rockets coming out of Oregon state. He knew that, you know, if I just kind of played a long game, the league's going to change. And you got to remember, he came into the league when the Warriors right. were at the top and it's a copycat league. So everybody's shooting threes and GP twos, not a shooter, but he understood this dynasty and what it is that the, that the warriors were able to cultivate It won't last forever, and we will start seeing, you know, minor changes within the league where my skill set will become a lot more applicable to organizations, you know, if I just stick with it and kind of have that slow grind. And here he is now, you know, he's picking up guys 94 feet, uh, night in and and night out, and neutralizing the best player on opposing teams. I, I was about to
0: say, like obviously like he's evolved a bit and, and got improved but like his his basic set of skills do, don't seem a whole lot different than when he was in college i mean this was a guy who like you said you said could pick up a guy 94 feet um like like ha- yeah. especially in the warriors on a team that has such great ball movement too just being able to have a guy that can D a guy up and then just be able to like slash and cut and, and move in the offensive zone um, Yeah.
1: And then he can, oh he can God. just
0: yam on some guy. It's, it's between, uh, you know, like me, me, you and Danny will, we'll, we have a, a text thread where we'll occasionally drop basketball stuff in. And, and usually it's, it's me standing right. LeBron a little bit too much. And, and Danny and Danny being too <laughs> defensive about MJ. But, um, I remember, right. uh, I think I sent one. I, there was the Westbrook dunk from like a week ago where old man got up and everyone's like, Oh, he still got it. And then, then he's bricking stuff a couple of days later. But, uh, but between pretty Westbrook, much, like, Jaw, much. and, like, GP, much, GP, like.
1: they're They're some of the most electrifying dunkers, especially as guards that the NBA has to offer. And, and again, I think and, – and he talked about it on my podcast. I had him on my podcast two days prior to signing with the Warriors. Literally two days before he signed with the Warriors, he had just won defensive player of the year in the G League. And he just knew, like, you know, my skill set fits in this league today. And although many people may not know or be able to understand that because I haven't stuck for the last five years and many people would have given up having to play G League basketball for five years, majority of the time, I mean, he's been called up, but hasn't really been able to stick after being called up. He understood that my skill set is, like, perfect for today's NBA because defensively there aren't many guys that are even willing to pick up 94 feet and, and like a Draymond or somebody would do. I mean, Draymond wouldn't play 94 feet, but the role Draymond has learned to master in the NBA. He's not the greatest shooter, but because I'm not the greatest shooter and I know everybody's trying to shoot me being a lockdown defender and being a menace defensively, there's room for me here to be able to insert my skill set that many people don't have or even care to have because everybody wants to be the best shooter in the world and it's so many other aspects to the game that if you master you can find you a roster spot in the NBA and who's to say you know this summer this upcoming summer he's probably going to make some life changing money I was just
0: thinking of I mean obviously he played for Oregon State and Wayne Tinkle and um you know, no team is gonna say no to having Gary Payton the second and having his dad on the sideline. But I also remember just probably how tough that was for Tinkle during that time because you know, we go to the Pac twelve tournament and press row is right behind uh Press Row at the Pac twelve tournament is right behind the courtside seats. And so I was sitting behind Gary uh basically the whole whole tournament and man, he's uh He definitely thinks that he he definitely thought that he had probably more coaching input from his spot than Tinkle did on the other side, just yelling at guys up and down the court, this and that. And uh,
1: he's a notorious shit talker. So
0: I was I was was about to say like um I think I think GP two would have been incredible with Oregon in in just uh, Dana's like full court press defense that he always likes to go to in the second half. Um, but there's no way yeah. Dana would have been able to put up with having a micromanager of a, of a dad on the sidelines. No,
1: no, <laughs> not at all. And, and, and I mean, again, I played for the GP Gloves in high school, so I know what it's like to be on the other end of some of them cussing outs. What's the best? That, what's that, the What's the best stretch you heard Payton. from him? i I don't know if i can say it on this podcast (laughs) yo man this is this 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 is this is an internet publication
0: we can do whatever uh i have a really good intern that's good on the bleeps Uh,
1: look look it's not even it's it's not even about me or you or the fact that we're on the podcast it's about (laughs) him (laughs) he's the only person that should be repeating Uh, the stuff that he used to say to us back in those days like he okay yeah he'll like you all the way up like he he got up in you (laughs) i I have i have one last
0: topic that popped into my head because um this was let's do it probably the most ridiculous weekend of football i think we ever saw uh you had a great tweet where it it was uh, what a weekend has been for black entertainment and uh I just, I wanted Sir. to tell you, you need to get up to like Saskatchewan for like the Cavalry stampede and the hockey game and see what white entertainment's all about, but like that says, <laughs> I,
1: I, I do I do. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: it was a crazy weekend, bro. But, Football was nuts, obviously a historic division. so 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 here's this
0: analogy I'm about to make because you know, you know we saw we saw what is obviously the present and future of kind of the league, um, especially Sunday night with Chiefs and in, in Buffalo with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Um, and it kind of felt like that throughout that day, a little bit of like the old guards getting snuffed out, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and and Brady. And so I right. started to kind of think of like those guys that are in the middle ground, like not being phased out, but not in that up and coming. Like, for instance, like a Russell Wilson, a guy who's like 30, 31, 32, right. or I think he might be 33 years old. He's a veteran in the league.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he's a veteran in this
0: league for a long time. It's like, you know, him and maybe Andrew Luck and RG3, the guys who came up like those were supposed to be kind of like the next face. Russell got his Super Bowl right out of the gate and has kind of been in this like very good to average kind of team play. Um, It it feels like that generation is almost going to get skipped, not skipped, but just kind of leapfrogged. And I was thinking about that in terms of Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. Because Dame's kind of in that same spot where he's, I mean, Dame has always kind of been in that group of like, man, like he could be like the next guy superstar in the league if they can ever put it together. But it's taken so damn long for that to happen that now, like Dame's not near the end of his career by any means. Like this isn't like a LeBron who's like 36, 37, 38 holding on. But between like the injury that he had this year and just kind of where things are and like a lot of like the fantastic young players that are in the league that we just talked about, whether it be, you know, Jaw or uh, um Luca, I mean, like all these dudes, it just feels like,
1: yeah, it just feels like both
0: of the main leagues that we have in sports right now have like this weird kind of middle-aged class that uh um maybe, maybe this is just my intermillennial feeling like that we're getting skipped between the Gen X and the, the Gen Z's, you know, we're just getting overlooked here. That's, that's all.
1: D- no, did, no. Did I, I land mean, that ship? I, I did, think you got that
0: analogy ships?
1: Yes. You landed the ship. <laughs> It it made perfect sense. Um, I, I think you got a point there because, again, Dame was chasing Steph. Dame was chasing guys like LeBron. Obviously, Steph, you know, they still got a legitimate chance at going to win it all. But I think it's I think also the reason why we view things that way is look at who we have. In football and basketball in particular, especially if we want to take it back to black entertainment, we're going to leave baseball out of this one, all right? (laughs) You got... (laughs) Especially after that Hall of Fame stuff. They just pulled yesterday. I I I saw
0: a tweet yesterday (laughs) that Barry Bonds has the same career war war as David Ortiz. If you were to subtract Alex Rodriguez's career war from Barry Bonds's, like he's, he's wow. in a whole Alex Rodriguez better than David Ortiz. Alex and, you, than you, than you know, I, I do think stupid. that there had to have been some sort of like, you know, during the steroid era, cause this was like right in the heart of me being like a sports fan it was just like, yeah, these guys know they're breaking yeah. the rules. There should be some sort of punishment, but it's been like a decade, like at, at this point anyways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's crazy, but but I guess the point that I was getting ready to make, if you just stick to who's been the face of the NBA and the NFL in particular, it's Brady, who's 40-what years old. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even care at this point, but it's Brady, and then it's LeBron, who's still a top-five player in the NBA, and he's up pushing 40, and you just don't really see that in these sports. Guys that old that once did have their day like as the young dude in the league in their prime years but now they're still like trying to hold on to be you know the players that they were in their prime at least from like a ranking standpoint so everybody like a dame who would be caught in the middle who's been chasing lebron lebron's a unicorn brady's a unicorn so I think the gap that you're seeing is because of who the faces of the league still are in terms or at least close enough to be in the faces of their league still in respects to Brady and LeBron that we're now seeing this young generation come up, which is a normal thing within the sport, but it's such a huge yeah. gap between them and the face of the league that's bigger than gaps of who the face of the league usually is and the young generations have ever been. So it's it's kind of like it's, a it's, weird place that we're in right now because of those two It's, dudes it's interesting
0: in thinking about that in the context of like Michael Jordan, who, you know, you can, there's, there's a large list of players you can look through the nineties who were like, boy, like this guy would have had an amazing career if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, like Charles Barkley probably would have had an NBA title or two or, you know, like all, all
1: Right. Or a yeah, and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. A,
0: as good as MJ was, he had a relatively, admittedly, yeah, short career. Like when when he called it quits at the end of '98, and obviously he still had enough in the tank to come back years right. later. Like Le- 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 LeBron has just essentially been like, if MJ just didn't retire those years, and like it's like
1: exactly. <sighs> but ba- bear with, with me here. Though. It's just
0: it, it's, it's, so it's, it's, like, it's, it's 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 almost like it's almost. I wonder how much success like the Kobe Lakers of like the early Kobe Shaq Lakers. I mean, it, it would have been dope to have basically a bulls Lakers final with like those guys all at their peak and to see where like that went, because basically it's just, you know, there's been generations of players that have been getting knocked out by LeBron at this point. It's, it's funny to go back and like, look at the highlights of yeah. punk and Paul Pierce, like 15 years ago. And that's still happening. I mean, dude, that right. in, like 38 and eight right now.
1: And, and that's the thing. It, it's a model that we've dang near never seen, not in terms of how long they've been in the league, but how long they've been able to be at the top or near the top of the league. Brady, obviously still competing for Super Bowls. He won the Super Bowl last year. He, 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 he may, he almost, he almost could would have been playing this weekend. You it, know, that Mike he, Evans he, hit happens he did What a he second had to do earlier, to come yeah. back? I mean, man, like he was nearly right back into the NFC championship game. He was a play away from being able to get there again this year. So it's like not just the fact that they were once the face of the league and now father time is kicking in and, you know, they're getting older and they're still hanging around, but they're no longer like that dude in the league anymore. Nah, LeBron and Tom Brady have been that dude in their respective leagues for longer than we're accustomed to as sports fans. And I think that's why you feel like it's kind of a generation being skipped because the generation that was supposed to become sort of the face of the NBA never really could because there was always a Brady in the way, or there was always a
0: Lillard.
1: Right. Right. Harden Lillard. Who, Who else would you say in that one? I mean, I mean, Katie ended up winning I mean, with Westbrook. Westbrook, if you want to throw a name out there, um, you know, guys like that who just never really were able to surpass every dude LeBron. on the Pacers. <laughs> so it's just every yeah. dude, Paul George and those guys, like it, it's just kind of how things played out. They've like created a new model within sports, not to just have long careers, but to be near the top of your game for a longer amount of time. And so I just think we're in this weird space where it does feel like a generation is being skipped because those dudes have been able to hold it down for generations as the space that they' was as the face and of their respective league. That's
0: completely cool too, because that was like the best football I've ever seen. Super cool. <laughs> seen on it, was, it was so fun. <laughs> and I, I, I can't even admit that I watched the whole game. It was like, kind of like flipped, you know, had it on a little bit in the background. And then by the fourth quarter, it was just like, okay, like it's go time here. Like, <laughs>
1: It's go time for real. So it's like to be able to see them compete, you know, near the top of the league for this long of a time is so impressive. And I think it's made the way that we look at these leagues and these generations just different. Cause they brought a model that we've never really seen before. And they're doing it simultaneously. Like they're doing it at the same time, which is even more impressive in that regard. Where can people
0: find your stuff, man?
1: Where can people find your stuff, man? Wake Up and Win podcast, we're everywhere, man. We're, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. I also just launched a Patreon, so, you know, I'm I'm on this new subscription journey like you are with, you know, Substack and i5 Corridors. So, um, you know, you get exclusive Patreon content for the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Um, The Street Roots podcast is coming back in February, so be on the lookout for that. Um, You know, if you want to hear me on the call or watch me on the call, you know, you can check out the Portland State. Get down to a game. Schedule. You won't regret you it. Check out. Get down to a game. It's so worth it. it. It's the facilities are great. Like like the bones in that place are just like. Man, it's like Kurt Angle when he used to drink his milk back in the WWE days. <laughs> this I really like
0: bringing you on, man. It's like we've talked football, we've talked social issues, we've talked hoops, and now we're talking wrestling. This is this is This, everything. this is what you do. This is what yeah, you do, man.
1: We we, it's what I do, man. I touch it all, man. I'm I'm an intersectional guy. I like to kind of be Whoa, on the edge I, of everything, so. Um, yeah, or just, you know, search Devon Pouncy on social media, follow me, and I'm always, you know, posting upcoming things or whatever it is that I'm doing, appearances I'm making, so on and so forth. Man, that's,
0: uh, I, I respect the grind so much. And, and I, I think, uh, that people who do a lot, a little bit of everything, I, I think it's, I think it's just really good for you in general. And I, I think it keeps you interested in everything. It keeps you engaged in everything. And I mean, you're doing more important stuff than I am. But like, that's, that was part of like, wanting to do this is like, you just kind of want to do like, I, I think that, you know, we're professionals and we kind of know what sells and like what works, but like to, to be able to to have control over right. that. But also like, I like doing this pod, like I'm not good at podcasting. Like, I don't pretend like that I'm, this is a strength of mine, but I enjoy doing it. And it's just like a nice additional thing that I can do to my writing, which I think I'm very good at. Um, And, and, and it just like, lets, lets me have like, I don't know, like I, I've been a bad friend to people the last two years, as I think a lot of people are like, I haven't been able to see you in quite some time. And I, I hate that. Like we're having this conversation right on here. But like, but we can have this conversation yeah. on here because I own this shit.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's the thing, man. Being able to just kind of have that freedom and that control. It's nothing like it, man. And as long as you know, you stick with it, opportunities will continue to present itself. Like I've gotten opportunities from my podcast that you might not see reflect in the actual podcast, but I know that it was the work that I did with the podcast that opened up another opportunity for me elsewhere to where, like I said, now I'm hosting the street roots podcast. And it's like, I get paid for that. Well, if I never did the wake up and win podcaster and I hadn't been podcasting for you know all of these years, like Me being a podcast host at Street Roots wouldn't be a part of my job description because it just wasn't my thing. It wasn't something that I've been able to do. So that's just one example of many where like being able to have your own thing and continue to do your own thing and stay consistent and doing the work it opens up so many other doors and opportunities i mean look at you i5 corridor you still get press passes to ohio I've, state games i, have a, I, I see what's I have going a, on tyson i ain't, you ain't I, fooling nobody i bro. have a like, lot I of see compromising
0: going- photos of people that's all i mean that's it's just it's leverage all right that's devon pouncey ladies and gentlemen this is the i5 corridor podcast thanks so much for coming on man this was great You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.